Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now, we are in this amazing series on the book of Galatians. And because we are rehearsing the multiplication of our service, uh, it was given to me a shortened time to share. And we are going verse by verse. I'm not in a rush. Are you guys in a rush? I'm not in a rush. Even if you are, I'm not in a rush. So we want to go verse by verse. I love this kind of approach in the scripture because as we expound, as we really go into this expository uh, preaching style, we can we have the chance to touch so many subjects. And and it's nice because it is not my agenda here. It is not my desire to give you a message. I'm not, I, don't, I won't preach to you directly. It is the word of God is speaking to you. So what about we prepare our hearts to receive the infallible, inerrant, powerful word of God right now. Amen. Just close your eyes if you can. Bow your heads. Put your hands over your heart and just declare that your heart is a fruitful soil. Declare to yourself that you're ready to receive the life-changing word of God that is coming to the right place. Father, we are ready. Speak to us. Come on, Holy Spirit. Fill this room and whoever is watching or listening to this message. God, I pray that you bring revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we see Grace, as the gospel is revealed before our eyes, let us be filled with the fullness of God. And let us have the blessings, the unmerited favor of God. Let us enjoy, oh God, your, your life in abundance over us, overflowing to the point that affects every decision, every aspect of our lives. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Galatians chapter 1. Yes, we didn't move from chapter 1 yet. So we are still in Galatians chapter 1. And last week, I sh showed you I, that Paul, as you and I, you were chosen by grace. Let's take a look in verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Let me say this. Before we even start, I know I'm walking in holy ground. I know that what I'm speaking now, without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you will, you will not be able to understand. Like, you're still wondering, this is so good to be true. But it is true. And you have to have your eyes open. Verse 12, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, what we want is to see Jesus. I love the song we sang to open this service. I just want to look to Jesus. I want to see you, Jesus, because as I see you, I know my life is changed. Today, in the new covenant, we are not changed by some sort of discipline or, or life coaching style or because I have a specific diet. I am changed. I am transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory as I behold, as I gaze at the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ and his image is imprinted in me and I'm, I am conformed after his image. Come on somebody. That's how we are changed. That's how we walk over the water. That's how I receive healing. That's how my life is transformed. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. 
how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Yes, this fanatic Jewish leader is with, has a, a, a pretty much one purpose in life. I want to destroy Christianity. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. In other words, he was beyond a reasoning and convincing dialogue. He was so zealous and radical and fanatic over his convictions that no one will ever be able to shift his mind. There was no reasoning, no rationality that will be able to say, Paul, just think something different. If you just express such idea for him, you're going to get mad and passionate and maybe even try to kill you as a fanatic. Verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. And I love this expression. I always like to quote Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers here. He said that I praise God that he chose me before I was born because maybe after I was born, maybe he would change his mind. And I say amen for that because praise God that he chose me solely by his sovereign grace. And he saw me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. And he loved me because he loved me. There is no explanation. It's only His sovereign grace. And who call me by His grace? Everybody says, who call me by His grace? You have to say this with faith. Say, who call me by His grace? So, He was going to destroy Christianity. But Christianity changed Him. Now, we understand that while He was going to Damascus... In one of his terrorist missions with the desire to kill Christians, God came and revealed himself to him. He was, he had his eyes open. And it's, it's interesting because the way that he saw Jesus is that he became blind. He became physically blind as an expression that you with this all radicalism or with all this fanatism you will not be able to see my glory if you still close mind open your mind and try to see me verse 16 was pleased sorry i lost here was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that i might preach him among the Gentiles. So in his way to Damascus, Paul got saved. Three days blind, without food and drinking. Now, having this amazing encounter with Christ himself, he stands up and begins to preach right after his conversion. And obvious, it was so uh, such a, a radical shift, radical change, that the Jews in the Damascus community became um, very confused. Actually, to the point of they desired to kill him. Verse 17, uh, 16, still, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I, verse 17, go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia. So this Arabia area is the surroundings of Damascus, the place where he got saved. Verse 17, and turned again 
to Damascus. Then after three years in Damascus region, where he came back and started to preach the gospel once again, he was able even to make disciples. If you go to Acts chapter 9, verse 19, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. Verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, Jesus is the Son of God. Of God, verse 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who live in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. He was saved, and in this one-on-one discipleship with Jesus himself during three years, I think it's just a this a amazing way to compensate the same three years that the disciples that actually walk with Jesus Christ. We have Paul in this recluse, set apart, Arabia desert, also walking with Christ. Verse 25, but his disciples, I love this, but Paul's disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening the wall, lowering him in the basket. The man that got saved grew in his faith, responded to the call, and became a disciple who make disciples. And that's what we're called to do. So Paul is giving these detailed aspects of his conversion and time when he spent where, just to prove that he's not faking here. You can go in town and ask for those people that saw my conversion, that saw the change of my life, if what I'm saying is real or not. Like you can't go and talk specifically with name. I give you the address. I give their email if you want to email them and check out this information. I'm not lying here. My gospel is not a creation of my own mind. Galatians 1.18. I went up to Jerusalem after this period of about three years and visit Cephas or Peter and remain with him 15 days. What an encounter. Two major heroes of the new covenant. Peter and Paul talking together. Acts chapter 9 Verse 26 gives us more detail. And when Paul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. I would be afraid of him. He's very new convert. Maybe he's going to have a change of mind. Maybe he's actually just, you know, pretending to be Christian and, and, and you know, get, finding where we are secretly, secretly gathering here. And you're going to announce to the Pharisee parties where we are gathering. They're going to send persecutors. And they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas. Everybody says, but Barnabas. Well, we all need a Barnabas. We all need someone that will believe us First, we all need a discipler, someone that is going to take us as a spiritual son and daughter, someone that is going to believe in our conversion. You're going to invest time, prayer, you're going to invest gas to drive you again to the service, someone that is going to believe in you. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. Who spoke to him and how at Damascus for about three years he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. All this description Paul is giving us to say, I was not called by man. I do not receive this by man. In 15 days it was impossible just to get all the revelation I have. Sometimes I wonder how creative 
uh, human's mind can be. Like when I get, you know, these three thick, heavy volumes of Lord of the Rings saga. I wonder, like, how a person is even able to create this parallel elf filled with creatures, animal talking kind of animals. And they created all this because the human mind is creative and is able to do that. However, the gospel is something beyond any novel you could ever read. Any story or any saga you could ever follow in Netflix. This is the story of God for you and I. Galatians chapter 119, Paul continued, but I saw none of the other apostles. In this visit, in this first attempt to visit the apostles, to be honest, nobody were willing to talk with him, but only James, except James, the Lord's brother. And Cephas, we saw this in verse 18, or Peter. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not Life always insisting with the Galatians, you guys can check this information out. Just go and ask James. Just go and call Peter. Shoot a text message to him and you're going to see it is true. Verse 21, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. So he's giving step by step where he went through. So we all could like verify this information. This area is pretty much Tarsus. I believe that he came back. Uh, to Tarsus after three years of, of his conversion because that was the place where he was raped. And his friends and his family knew him very well. That is our radical friend. That is our Jewish fanatic friend. Wow, he's coming back, but he's different now. He's not, not calling by his Hebrew name anymore. Saul, after the, the, the name of the first king of Israel. No, no, no. He's calling himself the little one. Paul. O pequeno Paulo. The little Paul. He's calling himself the little one. Something humbled this man. Something shift inside of him. And he came back to Syria and Cilicia, which was Syria and Cilicia, which was the area where he was raised. 22. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. So he went to Jerusalem after three years of conversion. Then he went back to where he, uh, he grew up as a child in Tarsus. But he was unknown by the headquarters of Christianity so far in Judea area. Jerusalem area. Verse 23. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once trying to destroy and they glorify God because of me John Stott the Anglican presbyter and theologian one of the most influential preachers in the mid 20th century said the fanaticism of his career before his conversion the divine initiative in his conversion and then his almost total isolation from the leaders of the Jerusalem church all contributed to provide that his message was not human but divine. Author of 13 of 27 of our New Testament books, Paul is one of the most important people in the history and also mainly to Christian faith. Born in Tarsus with his Hebrew name Saul, he had two citizens, 
citizenships. As a Jew, he understood the culture of his people. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to plea for justice, uh, judgment over himself. He came to Jerusalem as a young man, and he was educated by one of the most famous rabbinic scholars called Gamaliel. He approved the stoning of our first martyr, Stephen. And he helped to lead this great persecution against the church in Acts chapter 8. However, in his way to Damascus to perform one of his Jewish duties as a Pharisee of Pharisees, he dramatically converted to faith. He fought to conquer Christianity, but Christ conquered him first. So Paul faced this brutal opposition throughout his ministry and eventually got in prison. And most of his letters that we have in our hands, it was written in home jail while he was in home arresting. And now he clearly said that the foremost, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 16, of all sinners receive mercy for one single reason, that in him, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Amen. So the, this is the, the, the goal of his conversion. So my prayer is the prayer of Apostle Paul in pretty much all his letters. That the spirit of revelation comes upon our church and open our eyes to see the beauty of the gospel. That is powerful, so powerful that changed the most fanatic terrorist Jew ever existed into a radical follower of Christ. It is the same power that can change an adulterer and a faithful husband, a liar into a truth speaking. It can change a robber into a man of righteousness. It can change your addictions into actually good habits of health and joy. Now, pay attention, the, the basis for God's choice is not our virtues. No one can be approved by God according to the law or moralism. Because if that was the case, so Paul could boast that he was chosen because he was good. He had a moral standard. The Lord loved us and chose us according to his grace. It doesn't have to do with us. He coordinated the place where we should be born and all our history was before his eyes. And this is something very hard for us to embrace. I think that's the only benefit I got it from my uh, comic readings when I was a teenager. Is that somehow for my brain it's easy to embrace the concept of dimensions. And, in, in, and later on when I became a physicist... And I study actually that in physics, you actually can make calculations within other dimensions. You have to understand that God is above our dimension. When God sees your storyline, He doesn't see like you in a chronological way. God sees in His kairos way, out of time. God sees the entire storyline and all the possible decisions. And in His sovereign, foreseen perspective, He chose you. When we know that we have been called by grace, there is no place for boasting of any work that we have done. But we always, we brag 
on the cross of Christ and his eternal grace. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Everybody says, taking Titus with me. We all need a Barnabas, but we all also need a Titus along with us. It is not enough to have a discipler that is speaking your life, that, uh, that cheers you on, that, that really challenges you. You also need a disciple, someone that you encourage, that you are the standard, that you are a role model. This is also going to help you to grow. We are all connected here. We are called to be a church that makes disciples, who make disciples through a connection, through small groups, through life groups, through life. So Paul, after 14 years spending his life and ministering in uh, Tarsus and later on in Antioch church with Barnabas, he was counted as one of the preachers and one of the teachers of the Antioch church. After 14 years, he had the chance to go to Jerusalem again, specifically because there was a controversy about the conversion of the non-Jew people. Better known as Gentile. Should the Gentile get circumcised or not? It is called by the history of the church, the Council of Jerusalem. The first council of Christianity. And Paul and Barnabas were summit to be in that uh, uh, moment. Acts chapter 11. So Barnabas, verse 25, went to Tarsus to look for Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught great many people. In the Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, let me explain this. Because of the preaching of Apostle Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles, we finally became different from a Jewish denomination. Yes, maybe you don't know that, but in the early Christianity, we were uh, 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 considered by the unchurched people, by unbelievers and outsiders as just a branch of Judaism. We were just like any other Jew, but now they believe in this rabbi called Jesus, and they believe that this rabbi uh, taught some important things and that he had performed some miracles, but they are just as any other fanatic Jew. But because of the right preaching, of the gospel. Pay attention on that, guys. We were called little Christs. We were nicknamed as a joke by the outsiders. These people, they are way beyond the Jews. Like, they, they, they are way beyond followers of a rabbi. They are becoming just like their rabbi. They are becoming just like Christ himself. They are this small little form or template of a Christ himself. They are Christians. What a crazy people are that. And that's how Paul's preaching shifted the whole history of Christianity. Because until now, we were just a different branch or denomination of Judaism. Wow, that's, that, that's what I want to be. I want to be Christian. I want to be known as, I don't want to be known as a religious I don't want to be known as a follower of a teaching. I want to be known as a Christian, as a small Christ representative. 
So during the British conference, when a comparative religions experts from around the world debated what, if any, belief was unique to the Christian faith, they began eliminating possibilities. Maybe it's incarnation. Yeah, but other religions had different versions of gods appearing in human form. Oh, maybe it's resurrection. Again, other religions had accounts of return from death. What does it make Christianity unique? And this awesome man of God, C.S. Lewis, responded, It is easy. It is grace. What makes us Christians is that we believe in grace. It is the notion of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached. The Buddhism Eightfold Path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant and the Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval from their deities. But only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. It is a gift that we receive. Verse 2, Galatians 2, 2. I went up because of the revelation set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential. Now, let me explain this. Peter, in Acts chapter 11, had a revelation that, that the gospel was not restricted to circumcised Jew. He had a... a Giving the word, a moment, a, a, a vision, a insight, a breathtaking experience. I wanted something else. Um, epiphany, that's the word I'm looking for. And that's actually the biblical word that is used. He had an epiphany while he was visiting Cornelius. And while he was still visiting, he saw that the gospel was supposed to be the message to all Creatures. I don't know if you get that, but when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. Some people ask me in the seminary, pastor, should we preach to my dog, to the animals? Because all creatures. It's because you have to understand that for the Jewish mind, if you are not a Jew, you are something else, but never a child of God. You are some sort of a creature, kind of a Pokemon or something else, but you are not a human being. Actually, for the Jewish mind, the Gentiles existed only to kindle the fire of hell. A known Jew came to, were, were created by God in order to kindle the fire of hell. So, now come Jesus and say, go and preach to all creatures. So, praise God, I was one of these creatures that became now a child of the loving God that gave himself for me. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I went because Peter had a revelation. But they were not still practicing such revelation. They did not move forward into that revelation. That the gospel was meant to everyone who believes. And they want to check it out. The gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. In order to make sure I was not running. Or had not run in vain. Repeat after me. Run in vain. Now, this is super serious. And I know Manis is here just to push me to end the service, guys. We are, we are training, all right? We are rehearsing for next week. So I will obey. I will oblige, sir. 
Uh, so I want to close with this because I don't have time. But we really are only scratching the surface of this subject. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make my case just to, you know, advertise something that might not be as good as you say. But let me say, it's much, much better than I could ever express. It is so important that if we do everything right in this church, courses, life group, the kids are having the best education here. Our couples are such an awesome mo uh, role model for our community. We are reaching out the poor and it's been amazing. You guys are such great people here. However, if you don't have the gospel, this message as, as part of our language, as part of who we are, if we're known by, by our kids' ministry, by our discipleship structure, it's great. But above everything else, you should be known by the message we preach. Amen. By the message became, that became us as a church. Because if we do everything else, like Paul said, it will be vain. And Paul actually said, it's better I stop everything because I want to make sure that whatever we are trying to preach and teach here matches, follows up with the hearts of the apostles. And the question is there, did Paul run in vain? Was his message rectified by the early apostles? Is this message scriptural? And I'm going to answer like Peter said, 2 Peter chapter 3, and that's the last verse I'm going to read. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. And he does to all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. That some things in them that are hard to understand. Brief parenthesis here. Someone told me, Pastor, but this kind of message is so basic. Like, I know, I was saved by grace. Come on, move forward. Tell me about my leadership. Speak on my marriage. I want to know. Give me a trick. Give me some advice. Tell me steps to be happy. There is no other message. Actually, there is no other thing to understand. Which the ignorant and unstable to wish to their own destruction. As they do the other scriptures. What you are walking, what you are studying, what you are touching here is scriptural, is canonical, is rectified. It is signed below and approved by the apostles. Romans 1.16, I couldn't resist. Let's always stand up. The devil doesn't want to... discredit Paul, you and I the preacher, the church the main goal of the evil one is to discredit the message that we preach when we fall in sin when we stumble in our mistakes when we don't understand Christ we're called to follow the whole idea is to discredit the message. You know why? Because no man has power to save you. Only this message. That's why Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed 
of the message. With your eyes closed, say, I am not ashamed of the message. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. With your eyes closed, say, I believe. Everywhere that is watching us or listening to this message, just put your hand over your heart. Say, I believe in this message. Say, I don't deserve. I receive by grace. And I believe in my heart. Today, Jesus, I confess with my mouth. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I have no good works enough to make me able to reach heaven. But your good works, your righteousness is given to me free of charge by grace. Two hands high say I receive. 